retreat and we had a great time. We had a lot of time of, of course, um, laughing and crying and having fun and eating and just, just really learning more about Jesus. And this next song is one that we did. Our theme was called Marvelously Made. And uh, we were just kind of looking for a song that just talked about, um, just, um, you know, being broken, broken pieces and just messy people and just how God still just, um, thinks that we are all beautiful. So we're going to sing this song because of our retreat last weekend. Um, it's a country song. And so I hope that you enjoy it. If you're a country lover, that's great. And then by the time you're done with uh, singing with us, I think that you will really enjoy it. So let's sing beautiful messes.
that you are just marvelously made. So that is exciting for us to know that. As we continue worshiping this morning in this song, just talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, I want you to think about what do you believe? Do you truly believe that, that God is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and how much he loves you as we sing this next song?
When chaos strikes. Mom, I want to play Xbox. No, it's my turn. Her true powers will be revealed. Hey, honey, your mom said she's going to stop by later. Is that okay? Do you hear that? I don't hear anything. Exactly. I'm taking. Nelly, what did you do? How did she know? Gifted by God with the power to read minds. I don't have any homework. No. I mean, I did all my homework. No. Well, I did some of it. No. Fine, I haven't started yet. There's the truth. The wisdom to restore peace. He said, that's it. We're finished. So sick of this texting. What? Let me see that. Uh, wait. This says sick of this testing, not texting. Oh, right. He was taking the ACT. Thanks, Mom. Insight to see the future. I forgot to think of a science project. Yeah, I thought you might. Yes! With a burst of unlimited capacity. And her secret weapon, the look. abilities combine to form the ultimate example of warmth, tenderness, and dignity. Mother's Day to you. We appreciate you. We, uh, we want to celebrate Mother's Day and have a little bit of fun today. So we have on the way out the door today for every mom in the building, uh, and this is for moms, not for the children, all right? So for the women, not for the dads, all right? There are cupcakes, individually wrapped cupcakes, folks, and they're not just any cupcakes. These cupcakes have an extra 600 calories infused in the center, all right? There's extra cream. I'll tell you what, I had to sample one just to make sure the moms would be all right, all right? So it's incredible. You eat that and you will think that you are in heaven. So let's give our moms a hand for that, all right? We want you to pick one of those up and have a good day. Also on the way out, as you, go, as you come out the, the, the door of the auditorium, please go to the right. You'll see there's a photo booth over where the, uh, where the 
where the coat rack is. And we've turned it into photo booth. There's all kind of glasses. There's even hair for some of us that could use some, uh, all, kind, all kind of fun stuff over there. You put that stuff on and you have some fun. We'll take a picture of you. They'll take a picture with your cell phone and you can upload that. So what a way to celebrate Mother's Day. We got two ways to have fun. So give yourself another hand, moms. We appreciate you. We're glad that you're here today. All right. Just, uh, just a few announcements. Uh, our, our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful for your participation, for you being here on a regular basis and connecting and, uh, and growing in, in faith here. So this morning, I'd like to ask you to please pass the friendship folders down the aisle. And uh, that would greatly help us as we seek to minister to you and your family. And then just a, just a few announcements. Next Sunday, we're going to have a baby dedication. There is a, a number of kids that God's just blessing the church with a number of uh, babies that have come along the way this past several months, and uh, God is blessing and doing great things in the church. And there, every time I turn around, I'm hearing about another baby that's coming. So we, uh, we just want to have a baby dedication. We'll actually be dedicating the parents because it's uh, parent and babies, all right? So we're going to be dedicating these families to the Lord and just asking God to continue to work in their lives so that those children will one day come to be followers of Jesus as well. And then uh, just a few other announcements here. We have our Walk for the Homeless. That's coming up on May 27th. Information is in the bulletin. If you, can sign, if you would like to walk with us, we're going to be doing a 10K. We'll be participating with the Light of Life Rescue Mission. Roger Metcalf, Roger and Deb will be our team leaders. And uh, you have to sign up in the foyer out there at the Welcome Center. They'll be able to take your name and pass it on to Roger and Deb. And we'll have a time that we'll meet up down there. I plan to walk, and I think that would uh, be fun if we could get as many people as we can to just join us and, and just see what God is doing in greater areas, um, uh, wider than just Finleyville. See what he's doing in Pittsburgh, and uh, you'll be done by lunchtime. It'll be a great, great morning just to walk, walk up and down the river of Pittsburgh, but we'll join in hands with another ministry in our community. So please uh, sign up for that as well. And then we have our June Jamboree coming up. That's on June 16th. That's hard to believe. It's just about a month away. Uh, we're going to have live music out there. There'll be our, our big stage that we rented last year will be out there. We're going to have uh, uh, one of uh, just, just uh, games everywhere, prizes, all kind of stuff for the family. Uh, it'll be a night to remember. You want to come. We're going to put out tickets like we did for the, uh, there'll be free tickets. So we'll have that all coming out in the next week. But we need your help. We need about 50 people to help run this effectively. Um, last, uh, for the egg drop, we had everybody in, in these yellow shirts that said event crew, and we'd like to continue to do that. So if you're able to help, please stop by the table inside the auditorium here on your way out today. Sign up, and, uh, and then we'll get you more information how you can help. We need people who can just be parking, help with parking, people who can help uh, with games, just general crowd control. So there's a lot of, lot of areas to, to be helping. So we want to encourage you to be here, to be a part of that. That will... Uh, that's coming up, but if you can help, please sign up today. All right? And then uh, I would like to welcome all of our first-time guests here today. If you're a guest here, we say welcome. Thank you for being here, and uh, we're glad that you're here. Uh, in just a few moments, we're going to receive a more, uh, an offering. If you're a guest, please feel free to let that pass you by. I uh, would like to direct you to stop by our Welcome Center, and we have a nice gift to welcome you. Say thank you for being here. All right? And then as our ushers are coming forward, uh, I'd like to call our ushers forward as we receive our, our morning offering. just like to ask you to remember in, fa- in prayer this morning the Anton family. Uh, Michelle Anton lost her brother, Ed, and uh, they'll be uh, viewing this afternoon, uh, this evening, from 4 to 8, I believe. 
and then the funeral will be tomorrow. So if uh, you see Michelle and Tom, love on those guys and uh, just uh, care for them. He's 48 years old, went home to be with the Lord just this past week. So we want to lift them up in prayer and just come around and encourage their family today. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you, and I just thank you for all that you, you're doing in this church, Lord. You're, you're moving mightily. You're doing great, great things here in this place. God, we just uh, we lift up to you the needs of the church, Lord. We come before you, and we realize that we need you, that we can't do this without you. So, God, we come before you, first of all, and we humble ourselves, and we say thank you for what you've done on the cross, how that you paid for our sin, you came back to life again, you gave us eternal life, you meet our needs, Lord, and God, as we pause and, and give to you, we, we're humbled by that, and we remember that you are the one who's provided, and we come back to you, and we say thank you, Lord, for, for meeting our needs, and we respond to you now, Lord, by giving to your glory, giving to your awesomeness. God, we lift up the Anton family, Lord, we, we uh, lift up Michelle and and the Lestitian family, Lord. We just ask that you'll be upon them, Lord, with the loss of Eddie. And uh, we just ask that uh, you'll, you'll let them know our love for them and the, this whole church rallying around them and uh, just their friends and family coming to support them as we uh, come alongside those who are grieving this morning. Lord, we thank you for this great Mother's Day. We ask that you'll continue to bless our service as we honor you. In your name we pray. Amen. You unravel me with a melody You surround me with a song Of deliverance from my enemies Till all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to No. 
Soccer ball will play outside. Curd makes funny faces. <laughs> she tickles that. <laughs> I tickle body. Tickle body. Super competitive. I have no idea what that means. She is like a very sweet woman, and I love her. It's just there's too many things to say. My mom is three moms. 
I have a baby brother Liam and a baby brother Luke. No, no, no. Uh oh, because she chose us. She could be lying. Are we done here? I need to go. You、back. may be seated, please.、Um, Mother's Day is always a fun day, and it and it's also a hard day for some. For some, we're remembering our moms that have gone. Some that have mothers that have gone on before. And but I, I think today that we can all remember that our mom made a difference in our life. That God gave you your mother for a specific reason, and I want you to understand that that God has given you your mom for something very special.、Uh, you may not have had the best relationship with your mother, you may have had hard times with your mother, but God gave you your mother for at least your DNA. Do you understand that? Some of the things that the way you look, some of the ways you act, some of the things that you do, we can go back to our mother. We go back to our parents. And as I get a little bit older, I find that there's things that my mother and father used to say that I said I would never say, and now I'm starting to say them. You know? Do you remember that? And it's like, man, I I I got to stop focusing on what not to say, right? And so I picked up all those little things. But that's what our moms do. Our moms give us; they make us who we are. And、uh, we are so thankful for mothers in this place, whether you are a biological mother or not. It's not just about a biological mother. I think that、um, you know God has a special place in His heart for for women, and women do great value for the kingdom of God. And so, if you had your own children or not,、uh, God has a special place for you to step up and serve, and for you to be involved in kingdom impact. And so today, as as we think about mothers, I'm reminded that Jesus he cared a lot about relationships. He cared a lot about children. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this over in、uh, Matthew 19:14. Jesus says, "Let the little children come to me,、uh, and don't stop them. Forbid them not, for this is the kingdom of heaven." Such is the kingdom of heaven, and what he says, he looks at these children. He says, "These little children, don't stop them from coming to me." That's why in our church we make a huge priority on children. Children are everything to us at our church. Why? Because Jesus says, He says, "Don't stop them from coming to Christ.、Uh, bring them in、uh, and and let them know who the Master is. For such is the kingdom of heaven." And what He's saying there, He's saying, if you want to, if you want to have the kingdom of heaven, you want to be in heaven one day. You have to have the heart of a child. And the heart of a child is just so trusting, just so just so impressionable, and says, "All right, childlike faith. We have childlike faith. Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He came back to life again for you." And childlike faith says, "Yes, I will trust it. I will believe that He died for me." And you put your simple childlike faith into Jesus Christ this morning. That is the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus says here. And、uh, and so when when we go out and in, into in our community, one of the things that we want to do here, we want to make a major difference in the community. We want to make a difference in our church because of who Jesus is. And He tells us that relationships are important. 
He tells us that children are important. So as we, as we think on Mother's Day, I want you to think about how important that the children are. And Jesus says, let the children come to me. He tells us uh, over in James, James says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. To visit the war- orphans and widows in their trouble. <clears throat> God has a special place. He really does for relationships. And he says that if we're going to go out and we're going to be real, we're going to show true Christianity. True Christianity is not about showing what you know. True Christianity is about caring. He says to go out and meet people's needs, to go out and take those orphans and look at those orphans and love them. In other words, to see a child and care for them. To see a widow. One of, that's one of my big big concerns in our church is our widows, our children, and then our widows, those in need. And, and man, we have people right now that are they're trying to make a difference, trying to care for the widows in our church. Uh, first, we see the family come alongside of, the, of their family, and then the church family comes alongside of those families. And so that, this, is, this is pure religion. This is it. It's not what we know. It's who we know. We're in love with Jesus. And he says, go out and make a difference. And so all these children that come in here on Sunday morning, you know, you have a, an incredible opportunity to make an impact, to go to these children. I, I'm so thankful for the people that have come alongside of our family through the years. They came alongside of Rhonda and I as we were raising our kids. And, and they came alongside and they, they saw that uh, they had the same values that we did. They're, they're pushing Jesus and they're, they are in love with Jesus as well. But there's times when your kids don't understand what's going on in your own home. There's times whenever your kids don't understand you. I know that probably never happened in your house, right? But there's times that, 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 that listen, they're just growing and they, they need somebody on the outside. It's kind of like, like a guardrail, like a bumper system. And so here you are, you're raising your family for God and you, you bring them in and then there's somebody else alongside comes in in our children's ministry or in our youth ministries and they also deflect these kids back onto the path of Jesus. And, th- and they come and, and maybe a kid comes in and says, hey, listen, you know what? I'm going through a whole lot of pain. I'm going through a whole lot of problem. And in comes a Sandy Walshack who's been working over it's, it, with our teenagers for about 15 years. And she tells those young girls, she goes, hey, just keep loving Jesus. Your parents, I know they're all right. They're a little crazy, but I, lo- I know they're okay. And she tells them, get back on track. And this is what our leaders are doing all over the place. And our children's ministry, our kids' ministries. And, and, and we're, we're coming alongside of families and we're saying, hey, listen, we love you kids. We care about you. Do you know Jesus said this? He said, it'd be better for you to be cast into a river with a millstone around your neck than to offend one of these little ones. Wow. That's big. That's big. And on Mother's Day, we remember our kids. We remember these kids, and whether they're your own or not, you have an opportunity to invest in kids. You have an opportunity to make a difference in kids, to, to step up and serve, jump in, and, and say, man, you know, in our community, we go out into our community. Uh, we have some really awesome people in our church that are out making a difference in our community. And I'm just thrilled what God is doing. God has, uh, we have teachers, we have principals, we have people all over this community that are out there and they're saying, I love children and I am doing what I can do to make a difference in the lives of these children and I applaud them. Can we applaud those folks this morning? We thank God for them. We really do. We really do. So this morning you may be thinking about, about your life and you may say, well, I don't have any children. I've never had children or my children are grown. And women, 
I want to talk to the women for just a few moments here. I want, I want to encourage you that whether you've had your own children or not, God says that he has a plan for your life. And God says that you can be used by him for his kingdom purposes, that, that you, can, you can help cultivate life. Uh, you can help come alongside others. And we're going to look this morning at three mothers from, from God's word, three mothers. Two of them were non-biological parents. Um, at the time of the impact, there were non-biological parents, two of them. The third one was a biological mother. And so I want us to realize that God can use all of us for his kingdom purposes. And as we, as we think about who he is this morning, we think about this great mission to go out and make disciples, go out and impact the world around us. I want you to understand that God has a plan. He can use every one of you in this room. Men, women, everyone, teenagers, God can use you. There is another generation that is dying. They need us. We are the hope for these children. We are the hope for the next generation. Jesus in us is the hope. And so if we, if we usurp our responsibility, if we just stand back and we say, okay, we'll let this thing go, and I'm not going to love, I'm just going to be worried about my life and what makes my life happy, then we will miss huge opportunities to get involved in, in, in and make change. Uh, not only in the church, but in the community, everywhere we go. This is not a program. This is a lifestyle. It's who we are. We go out and we make impact. We get to have life change. Uh, Exodus chapter 1. We're going to look at these three women this morning. Exodus chapter 1. Uh, what, what, what was happening here was, if you come off the end of Gen, uh, off of the book of Genesis, at the last chapter of Genesis, you see that they had... Uh, the, the Jake, uh, Joseph was in charge of Egypt at the time. He was a Hebrew in charge of Egypt. God had him there in, in an interesting way, high up in command. And then in comes the, uh, the, his family for a, for a famine. And they end up staying there uh, because they had need, and they were able to help them during this time of famine. And, and this family stays there, and this family grows, and, and God takes this, this group of people, and it, it becomes the, the nation of Israel, and they are in the wrong place. They are in, uh, in Egypt, and they stay there for like 400 years. So they've been there for 400 years. If we come up to this point today, they have been there for 400 years. And so, picking up in verse 8, it says, Then a new king who did not know about Joseph. So, a new king, the, the Pharaoh, he comes into power. He did not know about this guy, Joseph, who had been a Hebrew in charge. Time had passed. He came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out... We'll join, we'll join our enemies. They will fight against us and they'll leave the country. So what was happening was these people had been in Egypt under Egyptian rule. It was the, the Jewish people in Egypt. And so they're under the rule of the Egyptians, but they're slaves. And they're, they're living life. They're doing well as slaves. They're functioning and they're, they're, the, everything is adequate because all their needs are, are met. But here is, here is this Pharaoh. And Pharaoh now says, wait a minute, things are getting out of hand. These people, they are in charge. Uh, there, there's too many people, and they will come over. They will take us over, and uh, we have got to stop them from multiplying. And so we're, uh, how's he going to stop them from multiplying? What he does. So they put slave masters over them, verse 11. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. Now, now 
Catch it. Here's what's happening. He says, how am I going to stop them from multiplying? I'll just make them work so hard they'll be so tired they can't multiply. And guess what? Didn't stop them. Uh, they made two, steady, two cities, right? Excuse me. They made two cities. Uh, this, the two cities here were Pithom and Ramses. These two cities, it says that they were store cities. How many, how many of you have a storage shed out back of your house? Raise your hand if you have a storage shed, okay? How many have a storage barn? Anybody have a storage barn? Okay, a couple. All right. Anybody have a storage city? All right. Uh, we have a storage garage. The cars could fit in there one day maybe, but I'd like to walk through there first. You know, it's like we, we just pile up these things. These guys, they, were, they used the children of Israel to make storage cities. These two cities, if you go back and look at the research, you'll find out these two cities, they, they were built for his wealth. And what was happening was that Pharaoh was making his plan. He had a plan, and his plan was to be great. And he was. He was really great. I mean, probably the, the most influential, the most powerful person of that day was the man who sat in the seat of Pharaoh. And so here's Pharaoh, and, and, uh, and he's sitting there, and he's, he says, we're going to oppress them, and we're going to make it harder for them. Verse 12, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and they spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and work them ruthlessly. The Egyptians came to dread them. Remember that. We're going to come back to that. They made their lives bitter with hard labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. And all the hard labors of the Egyptians, uh, that the Egyptians used, used them ruthlessly. I can't help but think that when you go to Egypt today, that some of those pyramids, maybe they were built by the children of Israel. The brick and the mortar and all that. And to, and to think that some of, the, some of the history that you're reading, you could go on sightsee and see things being uncovered now and see, wow, that was the people of God that made them. They were the slaves for the Egyptians during that time. Uh, the Egyptians, Pharaoh, Pharaoh was uh, filled with dread. You, you know what the problem was? Pharaoh saw God's blessing as a problem. Pharaoh saw God's blessing. God was blessing the people. He was doing great things to the people and, uh, and uh, to, to his people. And they were, they were being fruitful and multiplying. It's the same, same phrasing that we get from back in Genesis when he told uh, Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. That's what was happening. They were being fruitful and they were multiplying. And it was just like grasshoppers. They were, I mean, it was coming fast. And so, so this Pharaoh is, is standing back and he's saying, wow, I see a huge problem here. And in the meantime, it was the hand of God. And I want to ask you this morning, how, how easy would it be for us to get like that in our life where we see God's blessing as a problem? Uh, you know, God's given us children, and whenever your children go through rough times, your children are not the problem. Your children have problems, but they're not the problem. They are God's blessing to you. And there are times in our life when we can look at, uh, look at the very gifts that God has given us, and we can look at them as problems rather than blessings. And so Pharaoh here, he was far from God. He sees that God is giving life. You see, life is a blessing. It is a gift from God. And so the, God was all about life. He was all about cultivating life. And so we see this, we, we see the, the, the life was exploding. There, were, there was a cultivation of life and life was multiplying. And Pharaoh, he was afraid. Pharaoh had great fear. And as, as Pharaoh had this fear, he says, uh, you know, he, he's standing 
standing in this place of honor. And, uh, and he says, we've got to stop this. But what is that dread? Dread. He says that he dreaded him. That's anticipa- anticipation with fear. He had fear of what would happen. He had fear of the unknown. And I want you to think about the things that cause fear in your life because fear will do strange things to us. Fear can, can immobilize us. Fear can cause us to do the wrong thing. We can make a swift reaction because of fear. And so here was Pharaoh, and he's getting ready to make some really bad decisions. Look at what Pharaoh does here, verse 15. The king of Egypt, that's Pharaoh, said to the, he- said to the two Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Puah, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. So, so he, he, he says, first I'm going to try and I'm going to work these people so hard that they're so tired that there's no way they'll want to reproduce. Well, that didn't work. It just created more. They kept coming home and, and having more babies and more babies, right? So now he says, I'm going I'm to take it a step further. He grabs two. This was the Egyptian pharaoh grabs two midwives, two Hebrew midwives. They're not biological parents, but they are investing in the next generation. They are coming alongside families, and they are helping to birth babies. They are nurturing. They are caring, and they are investing in children. This is the future. They, they see life. You see, God has given life, and, and they were responding to God, the author of life. And so, so that's what they did. And, and so the, the Pharaoh, Pharaoh comes to him and says, listen, here's what you're going to do. You're going to kill all the little boys because we're going to stop this from continuing on. We're going to stop, stop this population from getting out of hand. Sounds similar to some modern-day dictators that we hear in our world today, doesn't it? Kind of, kind of radical. This is the kind of guy that Pharaoh was. Verse 17, the midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. So, so fear. We have fear on one side. Over here was the fear Pharaoh had that the children of Israel would become too many, that they would turn against him. They were his slaves. They were building cities for him. And then you have another kind of fear. It says that the midwives feared God. Uh, the, the word there is, it's like a reverential respect. They, they, re, they honored what God said more than what the Pharaoh would say. And this is the struggle where we find ourselves all the time. We hear things over here. We want to do our reaction to this fear of what we're seeing. But yet, God, we should be fearing him. What does he want in my life? What is, he, what is he calling me to do? So we have this two sides of fear. And, and this morning, um, it says that the midwives fear God and did not do it. They did not kill these boys. Uh, then, verse 18, then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? And the midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous, and they give birth before the midwives arrive. Isn't that pretty sly of those guys, these ladies? They come before him, and they say, listen, here's what happens. Uh, It's like poking him in the eye and saying, we're not going to do it. You're Egyptian women. They're too slow. We get there to these, to these Hebrew women, man, before they've had the, the, before we know it, the baby's born, and we, we arrive, and the baby's gone. We don't know what they're doing. 
And so they come and they fear God more than they fear Pharaoh. And they said, we are going to take a step. And, and they come back to him. And listen, this, Pharaoh, the, the, the most popular, I shouldn't say most popular, but the most powerful man in, in that day. God has equipped two women who come before the, the most powerful man in that day. They were nurturing. They were mothering. They're the next generation. They're caring for the next generation by protecting the next generation, by protecting the women who were in crisis, and they do it in a fearless way. And so what happened, we find that these two midwives had something they, uh, they, they, they were free from something that Pharaoh was not free from, and that was fear. They were free from fear of what would happen over here, what would happen to their lives. They risked their lives by not, by not getting rid of these babies. And they were not afraid of that because they understood who God is. And I love the song we sang this morning, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. That's what these two women said. They said, we are not a slave to fear. We're not a slave to Pharaoh. We are a slave to God. We're his child. And so therefore, what God says, and we're going to do what God's told us to do, not what Pharaoh's done. So they go out and they, and they, and they, multi, uh, they continue to watch the multiplication happen. They see God do some great things. And this morning, I want to ask you about some risks that maybe you need to take. You know, we see these two midwives. We see non-biological parents. They, they are giving. They are giving. And they're coming along. And, and, and for whatever reason, they couldn't have kids up until this point. And they, they said, we're not waiting. We're going to continue to give. We're going to come alongside other families. We're going to just watch what God can do. And they come alongside other families. They nurture other families. And, and they care and they protect the next generation. And they're not afraid. So this morning, I want to ask you, what are some risks that maybe that you need to take? What are some areas of risk? Maybe it's a specific action. You know, there are people in our communities with the world all around us, and maybe God's talking to you about how to make a difference and, and, and step up, and it will require risk on your part, but yet God wants you to step up. Maybe it's, uh, maybe for some of you, you're thinking about adoption, adopting a child into your home, and if God's working with you on that, I want to encourage you. I was talking to one lady this morning. She shared with me that all three of her kids, she adopted three children. And, I, and my heart was just overwhelmed with joy talking to her on this Mother's Day. And she said, you don't understand how happy I am today to have adopted these three children. Maybe it's going and helping a single mother. You know, single mothers really have a hard time. And to come alongside and encourage a single mother, buy a bag of groceries, come alongside and say, how can we help you? That's what we do here. We're the community of, the, of believers. We, we come alongside. Maybe it's somebody in your community. It's somebody in the church. Maybe it's getting involved in foster care. Maybe it's uh, going to another country and doing something for orphans. Maybe some of you young people, maybe you're a teenager or college age, maybe, maybe God is talking to you that, hey, you want to go out and do something. You want to change the world. Go down to Ecuador and help the orphans. Go down to Haiti. There, there's a few girls from Pittsburgh, right here in Pittsburgh, that have gone to Haiti and set up an orphanage, and they try to get people in America to adopt these kids and, and to get them to safe places. God can use you, but it will require risk. And risk is scary. Nobody enjoys risk. But whenever we walk through risk, the song we sang said, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. 
That's what God does. He splits the sea so you can walk right through it. So you take that risk. You say, okay, God, I know you're prompting me to do this. I don't understand it, but I'm going to go. And you go and you sign up and you help out in the nursery. You help out in the third grade, the fifth grade room. You help out with the middle school or the high school on on Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings. And you get in and, and you get your feet wet. Then you go down to our local schools and you you go to those principals and you say, what can I do? Here's my hands. What can I do to help you? You people are doing an incredible job. How can I help you? Can I mop the floor for you? Can I clean up paper on the outside? Can I come in and, and buy cookies? Whatever. And you look and you say, how can I make an impact? And you know what? That's all risk. And here's what happens when we risk. We have two questions. Will I like it? You know, when you're thinking about doing something new, you ask the number one question is, will I like it? The number two question is, will they like me? And I found that those are two questions that will create fear that we'll we'll stand in and we'll be in a box and we'll say, we'll never do anything because I'm not sure if I'll like it. I'm not sure if if it'll work for me. And listen, it's okay, get going. Maybe God wants you to be out here on the parking lot helping, helping direct cars and you say, well, I have a fear that, you know, maybe I'll direct somebody the wrong way and they'll wreck. Let me tell you, here's what will happen. If you let a car wreck out there, we'll move you back to the nursery. It'll be fine, okay? But there is a place for you to serve. And so here's what happens. We, we, we stop because we have, we have it all calculated, what could go wrong, and says, in the meantime, God's saying, let me tell you what could go right. Let me tell you what I could do if you'll just step out and serve. That's what these two women did. They stepped out and served. Uh, every relationship requires risk. If you're going to love a child... If you're going to love your wife, your husband, you're going to love anybody in our community, you're going to step out and make a difference somewhere, it requires risk. And so, so this is what we have to do. We, ha- we cannot be a slave to the fear. We cannot be a slave to Pharaoh. There are Pharaohs in our lives. We have to be a slave to God. Um, every, re- every human relationship requires risk. Now, God honors these two women, and I, I find it really interesting that God takes these two women and honors them. And let me tell you what he does. Uh, Their names are mentioned. Their names are Shipra and Pua. And and he says, he writes them down. And I want you to understand that that was roughly about 4,000 years ago. And he put it in his word. And Jesus said that my word will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my my word will never pass away. And those two non-biological mothers that stepped up to the plate to serve, cultivate life, and do what God called them to do. Guess what God did? He gave them to you. He gave them your names, and you're reading them 4,000 years later. And Pharaoh, we don't even know his name. It's like saying the president. God honors these two women. God has a special place for women to do something. And I want to encourage you, women in our church, as God has laid things on your heart, whether it's to the mothering of your own family, to mother in the church, to be a spiritual mother, to, to step out and to make a difference in our community, God has a great plan for you. And God honors what you do. He really does. God is honored by that. And he says, I let, this is what I've called you to do. And if you'll take that step of faith, jump out and risk, I'll bless. Now let me just flip over here to Exodus, um, Exodus 1.22. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all the people, every boy that is born you must throw into the now, but let every girl live. So when he saw that 
overworking them didn't work, when he saw that, that uh, the, threatening the midwives didn't work, then he comes in and he says this. He says, let's take, uh, let's take now and put out an edict to everybody. He tells all the Egyptians, we're going we're gonna to kill the boys of these Hebrews. And the word is out. And this is an edict that's supposed to be done. You must throw every boy into the now and let every girl live. And look what happens here. This is very interesting. Exodus 2, the very next verse. A man of the house of Levi went and, and took as a wife a, a daughter of, of Levi. In other words, from the same tribe of Levi, from, from his community. So the woman conceived and bore a son. So these, this was a Hebrew couple. They come. They're slaves under the Egyptian rule. She bears a son. And when she saw that, she, that, he, was beautiful, that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. Now imagine trying to hide a baby boy for three months. A baby gets colic, right? A baby gets all this pain. A baby gets that crying sometimes for days on end. She says, all right, I can't hide him anymore. I've done it for three months. I'm trying to save his life. Verse 3, but when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him. What she did was she made a little basket. She made it out of bulrushes. And it's interesting that it's the same word ark is used for Noah's ark. In other words, it's a place of protection. And so she makes this little basket, and she's super creative. Look what she does here. She, she took an ark, ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch. So in other words, she, she coated the bottom with asphalt and pitch so that the water couldn't get up through the bulrushes. And she is so creative. God uses her creativity. And, and I, listen, God's gifted us. He's given us things for us to go and do for him. And so some of you have creativity. Go use it for God. Some of you are more hands-on. Use the hands-on for God. Whatever gift God has given you, go use it. And, and so she had this creativity. And she went out and she figured this out. She puts the child in it and laid him in the reeds by the riverbank. She takes the little baby. She picks up the baby. She kisses him. Three-month-old. I'm going to put you on the now. The law is... We're supposed to throw you in there to the crocodiles. We're supposed to let you drown in there. But I've made protection for you. It's a symbol of what Jesus did for us. He's our protection. And he says, let me put you into this basket. And kisses that baby goodbye. And just see this mother standing there on the shore of the Nile River, just streaming with tears. Oh, God, I'm trusting you. I don't know what you're going to do with my baby. God, I'm putting him in there and I'm just saying goodbye. She had a daughter named Miriam. And Miriam, verse 4, says that Miriam stood by to see what would happen. And Miriam, so now, now check. Check this out. This woman's name, we've, we know it from over in the book of Numbers. Her name is Jochebed. Jochebed takes and she pushes this baby out into this little floating basket. And then she has to hide so they don't kill her baby. And Miriam, a young girl, is standing by and watching what's happening. It's, it, this is the baby's little sister. And, and what happens? Pharaoh's daughter comes out, sees this baby in the basket, says, oh, let's take this baby in. Even though those babies were supposed to be killed, she is in the very palace where the edict came to kill these babies. And she comes out and she says, I just can't believe this. 
And she sees this human life, and she, she picks up the baby and, 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 and is, in, is just enthroned with the baby. And she sees the young girl standing by the little sister. She says, go get his mother that she may nurse him, and I will pay her. And if you read chapter 2, it's so interesting. She goes and gets Moses' mother, because this is baby Moses. And Moses' mother, Jochebed, I'm telling you, when she put Moses in there, she didn't know that Moses would be the greatest leader of all times. She didn't know that Moses would lead them through the Red Sea, that the Red Sea would be parted. She didn't know all that. She said, God, whatever you're going to do, here's my baby. And then Pharaoh's court says, get that lady, and I will pay her to nurse her. And so, to nurse him. And then she, the mother comes, and she, she comes, and she's paid. She nurses him. And when the baby gets old enough, the mother has to leave the picture, and he's raised in the courts of Pharaoh. And then, over in the book of Acts, we find out, it tells us that, that, that Moses, he learned all the things in Pharaoh's court he was there because he learned in Pharaoh's court everything he knew, everything he needed to be a great leader. And God had a plan. And Jochebed didn't see it. And she didn't let fear hold her back. And this morning, I want to ask you, what are the Pharaohs in your life? What are the Pharaohs in your life? Maybe you, you're looking at life and you're saying, man, there is, I fear this. This is the Pharaoh that I fear. Man, I fear, maybe it's your own past. You're looking at your own past and you say, man, I am fearing something from my own past. You know, we have all made mistakes. We've all done things that we're not proud of. We all have issues. And what Satan does is Satan says, you can't go forward because you have issues. How can, how can you say that you're going to help somebody because you have issues? And you know what that is? That's called fear. And we live in this fear. We put ourselves in this box of fear. We say, I can't do nothing. How could I help the next generation? How could I help anybody else? Because I screwed up. I did this in my family. I did this in my work. I did this. And you go through this whole list. And may I share this with you? God is not angry with you. If you are in Christ Jesus, God is not angry with you. And I think this is one, one, of the, one of the tough errors that we don't understand is this, that God is not angry with me because of what happened in your life, because of what you've done. When we trust Christ, he says he places you in Christ Jesus. And he is not angry with you. So if you can begin to live your life and begin to understand that God is not angry with me. I see so many Christians that are living in fear and they're so afraid that they don't do anything and, and they feel that they're no good because of this and that, because of what happened or because I can't live up to somebody else's expectations. And may I share this with you? God doesn't have an expectation. His expectation was settled on the cross. When Jesus died and he came back to life again, it was, that was the expectation. And if you are in Christ, he is no longer angry. What's the Pharaoh that you're dealing with today? What's the action that you need to overcome? Come to a big God and don't fear the Pharaohs. Let's fear God. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to encourage you this morning. God cared about people. He was all about relationships. This morning as we close our service, we're going we're gonna to have a, a baptism in just a few moments. It's the next generation. One of our young peoples is going to parade the fact that, that she's in love with Jesus, that God's changing her life, that she's a follower of Jesus. I want you to, I want you to applaud her and support her in just a few moments.
But before we get to there, I, I want to ask you, what is the fear in your life right now? Maybe you're fearing something that you've done, some mistake, some issue that you have. And may I share with you that, that it requires risk. Faith says, I'm going to step out. I'm not going to be afraid of that risk. I'm going to love people. I'm going to pick up where I left off. I'm going to watch God mend relationships. I'm going to watch God heal my family. I'm going to watch God heal my community, watch him heal my church. And if you'll step up to the plate, what God can do. So today I'm asking you to identify that area and no longer be a slave to fear, but realize that you're a child of God. Father God, I pray you'll be with each person in this room. May, may they open their hearts to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Trust like simple child, like a child does. Trust that you died on the cross. You paid for their sin. You came back to life again. And God transformed lives today, God. Help us in areas where we need to step in our, up in our community, to go to our, to our local, local everything, Lord, in our community and step up, in our church, in our family. God, transform us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song. And, uh, and then after the song, we'll have our baptism. But uh, let, let's sing unto the Lord. If you'd like to come and kneel and pray, feel free to do so. You unravel me with a melody you surround me with a song 